Lady Martha Lane Fox is one of the early dot-com entrepreneurs, having co-founded LastMinute.com. Martha is founder of DotEveryone.org.uk, an independent think tank and charity championing responsible technology for a fairer future. Martha has served on public digital service projects and sits on the boards of Twitter, Domar Warehouse and Chanel. If that wasn't enough, Martha is also a trustee of the Queen's Commonwealth Trust. In our discussion, Martha explains the early day challenges, dealing with tragedy, and shares her advice for anyone thinking about starting a business. Taking a break from House of Law's business to have a chat. You know, Martha, every time I think about you, I think about you as a trailblazer, setting up a technology company in the early 90s. That has got to be more difficult than it sounds. <laughs> it sounds difficult. <laughs> My 20-year anniversary lastminute.com party is tomorrow night. And I just wow. say, I feel like it's such a strange thing because you sit with something, like you achieve something early in your life. You sit, it sits on your shoulder all the time. At the same time, it feels like a completely parallel universe. It was hard, and it was hard for, you know, funny reasons. Not because, you know, it's hard building a business, it's hard being an entrepreneur, it's hard being a woman in a sector yeah. that is not full of women, all those things. Actually, what was hard was convincing people that the internet was going to be here. But yes. it was not going to blow up. But that was honestly the conversations we would be having with investors and uh, potential clients, suppliers, whatever it might be. I spent hours and hours convincing people that customers would put their credit card details into a website. I guess there's a whole generation of people that just can't imagine that we could be that trusting and hand our details over to anyone. It's amazing how things have changed so quickly, isn't it? It is. And I was reflecting on how you know we would pretend that all these secure systems and databases and everything was this seamless process but actually it was me typing things <laughs> into a machine and then faxing then faxing airlines and hotels and people knew that so things yes. have changed they've really changed very very fast but you know I think there's some other consequences of technology that we're just beginning to realise and appreciate but I don't think we quite understood it that I, way. I agree and I know you're a real champion of technology which I want to get onto but I want to take you back I think it was early 1998 when you started thinking yeah. about lastminute.com and you obviously were going around trying to get investment mm -hmm. um, a young woman I, I've been in that position <sighs> myself and I know I'm sure we could tell and exchange so many great stories about well not great laughable now mm. on reflection and sort of horrifying and terrible but part and parcel of what yeah. gives you your metal tell me about some of the attitudes some of the things you had to deal with mm. well I had a co-founder so you know I'm a big believer that just in my own personal story having had somebody that you do things with is just strengthening and helpful and I've always enjoyed that relationship so Brent my co-founder was completely fantastic you know shared everything right from the beginning with me and I feel very lucky to have that relationship but, you know, you will particularly appreciate this. One of the very first, actually, might be generous, practically the only meeting that we got with a venture capitalist in the early days because everyone thought we were just mad and this thing was never going to work. Yeah. We prepared everything. It was every single detail of the cash flow, every single detail about the hotel commissions, all of the stuff about, you know, what was going to be the complexities of the business. And the guy taking the meeting with us stood behind his massive mahogany desk didn't even look at me, not once, just asked one question and asked it to Brent. And the question was, what happens if she gets pregnant? Wow. Yep. 
I have silenced you. You have. I was thinking all the things he could ask. What happens if she gets pregnant? And, you know, we were both so dumbstruck. I think all I did What did you say? I think I said, well, I'd imagine I'd have a baby. But I'm not sure. Yes, of course. But, you know, that was pretty, you know. Gosh, that sort of sums up. Isn't it just? It sort of sums up the attitude to women working. And I'm sure it probably didn't get much better than that, did it? No, and I think, you know, it's got worse in some ways. There's... It's so depressing to, to, you know, there's somebody that really does believe still that we haven't really scratched the surface of how we can use technology for good. It's really hard to be in a sector which has not moved the dial at all for equality, not at all. Yeah, in fact, it's getting worse, isn't it? Yeah. McKinsey did some work uh, to show kind of when uh, we'll reach parity in various different aspects of public life, you know, there's politics, business, so on, but we will never reach parity in STEM and tech and design and manufacturing and engineering and all of those subjects ever because we're actually going backwards. It's pretty, that's quite upsetting when it should be a world that's full of new voices and different voices and empowering different people. I think you're like me, you're waiting for the next generation. You know, you want to encourage yeah. women into an industry. I had it with football. People were saying, I don't know anything about football. I don't even like football. Why would I want to work in that industry? But actually... It's the diversity of that industry for everything from finance to strategy yeah. to ticketing to hospitality to sales to commercial, yeah. uh, sports science and all yeah. of those wonderful things that sort of make up football that should be and are now so interesting to women. I mean, I have a lot of women, as you can imagine, that, that work for me. I actively, I actively seek them out. But, I mean, being in tech in the 90s was already difficult because even though there's so few women today, there were even fewer yes. women in those days. Um, did that? Did you often think I can't be doing with this, or why am I bothering, or I'm not being taken seriously, and I'm so cheesed off about I it? I definitely felt the not being taken seriously part, as you know. And tech is bad, and you were right; it was bad at that point, partly because there weren't very many tech businesses, so it was yep. kind of unusual. But also just because the sector itself was pretty bad even then. But you know, travel was awful as well, really mm. awful. And the dynamics in that industry used to make me feel very uncomfortable. I remember going to a travel industry conference in the middle of Germany that was all the kind of biggest package to operator suppliers and I promise you the entire management teams all the senior executives at this conference were men and all the kind of people in the service bit of the industry were women the power dynamic was really uncomfortable making and so then what happened the kind of cocktail evening all the men got unbelievably drunk and preyed on all the women yeah and that was the dynamic and I remember thinking this is not very nice. And yeah. then you look in the other kind of part of what made up Cosmetrical, which was technology, and it was different, it wasn't quite the same, but it was still, it was just, you felt like battle all the time about having a voice and feeling credible and not feeling undermined. And you just have to keep flicking that switch in your brain that says, I have the right to be here and to speak and yeah. to make the decisions. And did you, that inner confidence to be able to feel you had the right and to then speak and to make decisions, where did that come from? It's really hard, isn't it, to do that self-analysis? Yes. I guess I am partly just lucky, but also um, I was really, really encouraged by my family yeah. to always speak out and speak up and, and have opinions and yeah. have opinions. You know, my dad's an academic, but he's also an entrepreneur. He used to publish his own history books and gardening books. And so I had that example of kind of being a bit alternative and not going into a bank. I can honestly say he would have fallen off his chair if I'd become an, account- become an accountant, becoming an entrepreneur. That was, that was yeah. completely fine. Yeah. So I had that example. But then also my mum was a very strong woman in a different way. She very bright, but she never had an education. My grandmother went into the school and said, no, I don't think she should be reading these books. 
and took away the stuff that <laughs> wow. she was meant to be reading. So I think from her, she was so determined that I would not have that same experience. So yeah. both of them, from different angles, gave me that sort of strength. But in the end, you know, you have to build on all those small experiences that you have and bank them in a way. And I think it's um, so easy to sit here saying, you know, confidence, you just have it. But actually... You know, I'm not sure if you feel the same. I feel like I have to turn it on every day. It doesn't yeah. just happen. It's not a thing I sit like feeling terribly confident. Quite the opposite. If we're sitting here in the House of Lords, it yeah. make me feel filled with confidence. I yeah. feel intimidated by it and so on. So it's partly a game and a thing you have to just perform through, I think. But I think the more you start to speak up, the more confident you get about speaking up. And actually when you do speak up yeah. and people listen to you because you actually know what you're talking about, that encourages you to speak yes. up more. Yes. And then more people are looking for you to speak up and it sort of becomes yeah. a sort of you know self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy. So I do agree with you that one of the things that is important is to find your voice and use it yeah. in, the, in the best possible way. I mean, we, we're going through this sort of Me Too campaign, aren't we, at the minute, where attitudes seem to be changing not quickly enough. Um, but are you still in touch with some of the tech businesses? Are they are they mindful now that they have to encourage women in, into their organisations? Yeah, I mean, I'm on the board of Twitter. And yes, an amazing example of a company. You know, when I first went to my board meeting, first board meeting, sitting on the plane, feeling quite asthmatic and a bit nervous, trying to flick that mental switch yeah. of confidence. But I also was really conscious that one of the things I wanted to bring into the boardroom was a European perspective where you know, Twitter was being quite rightly in some ways a bit rubbished because everyone thought, why is this such a horrible, abusive place, especially yeah. for women? Why did they... The not... trolls and exactly. all the and horrible comments. Easy protections for people who yeah. were maybe having a bit of a shit time on the platform. So I went and you know, kind of understood a bit more about how it had been built. And, you know, part of all of the um, complexity was just that it was built by four men, four white men. Yeah. We never really thought about the fact that there might be vulnerable yeah. groups who might have a lot of other yeah. issues. And I think you know, that was a real example to me of just a diversity of thought does lead to a diversity of product and therefore a stronger and better product. Yeah. It's just as simple as that. How can you see around all the corners yeah. if you're just coming at it from yes. you know, those straight lines? And that's how you create, that's why diversity yes. is great in businesses cool. because you've got different people yeah. thinking of different angles yeah. and coming at it, as you say, from, from different sides. I mean, it must have been an amazing feeling because you're also on the board of Chanel, which I'm yeah. very jealous about. <laughs> It's quite a different cultural experience. I, I'm sure. That. I think first woman yeah. ever on yeah, a board. To be fair to Chanel, they have not ever really had a board. So okay. This is the first time they've kind of constructed a board of corporate governance in the UK and all of that stuff. Okay. So I don't want to sound like I've been terribly, incredibly clever. I think they've, they've this is the first time. No, I think they've that. been terribly yeah. clever in getting you. I did quite the opposite, mm -hmm. but the other way around. So your your Twitter, mm -hmm. you've got the theatre group, haven't you? Yes, in... the Domorway. Yes, yes, been, yes. and Chanel. Yeah. Um, you're still doing karaoke yes, and all that well, kind of stuff? I am not doing it very <laughs> but I did start a karaoke business called Lucky Voice. I loved the Asian style of karaoke, you know, yeah. singing with your friends in a uh, you know, small room, a bit like this with tennis and your booth. It just makes you feel better. And also yeah. it's a really clever business model because you turn the room two or three times a night so you feel like a hotel that gets yeah. rented out regularly. We've got 10 venues. We just opened in Dubai. Um, we're opening another one just in the city very shortly. So, yeah, that's struggling. It's a completely different kind of business. And twins. And twins, yes. <laughs> Not, they should have come first, actually. I apologise. No, but you've got a lot on, haven't you? What yeah, do you yes, doing so. it because you love it, or um, you still got something to prove? Or I think probably all of those things. Yep. You know, I feel like I, I really do feel as though 
if you are lucky and you have a small voice and you know that you can exert, as you say, you know, when you start to realise that people might be listening or that you have got an opportunity to lead, even in a very small way. I mean, I think everybody personally has that opportunity, whether it's personally or professionally. You've got to use those voices for the things that matter. And I look around the world right now and things seem to be not the best state yeah. we could possibly imagine, you know, whether it's the local level here in the UK or kind of the macro level. And I think if we have a small opportunity to contribute then you should just try and keep trying to contribute yeah and you're still loving it because I think that's an important part yeah, as think... you get older and you you know obviously you've made a great success of your life with everything obviously. that you've done uh, so you don't need to do it for financial reasons mm-hmm. but um you're doing it because you because you want to yes. and I guess it's a different dynamic yeah, isn't it I feel very lucky because you can I can sort of construct my working life as I wish to I don't have to be in an office at 8 30 every morning until yeah. late at night and I never hopefully never take that for granted that can be hard because you can sometimes think what am I doing today I'm doing this one thing yeah but it also can give real um, opportunity for perspectives across lots of different things. And I definitely feel as though, while it's sometimes challenging not to be able to be put in a box, if you can draw strength from that is a very um, kind of good thing. So you know, people ask me, so what do you do now? And I find that a really hard question to answer because I like being part of, you know, here and doing policy stuff. I love the stuff I'm doing around responsible technology. I do karaoke. And sometimes I think, oh, God, I don't know how to answer that question. But actually... I think owning it and thinking, well, this is, I do these different range of things. And yeah. I love that because you get to see the different connections and patterns. I remember when I sold one of my businesses and for three months before I started doing something else, I didn't have a, a, an office to go to. And I remember calling someone up and saying, oh, hello, can I speak to Blah? And this is where you're calling from. And I was like, um, my living room? <laughs> I, was like, I, don't, I sort of lost my label and my yeah. title. It's quite strange, isn't it, when you take little career yeah. breaks? I mean, my, mine was only three months, but it did have a sort of impression on on me yeah. that I was sort of rudderless because yeah. I didn't have anywhere to go yeah. uh, every day and make decisions and sort of be right in the mix of yeah, things. And an identity and when you work hard like us and your identity is quite bound up in yeah. the things you do it can be a bit difficult when that's fractured or whatever but I think you know I just really encourage people now to not be uh, shy or anxious about feeling like they have to be in one box and do one thing for their lives and be specialists in that one thing because I don't think the world is like that anymore. I think it's good to have a broad experience mm. to think about how to match the private sector and the public sector or how to do a bit of service in one way or um, you know, contribute to different kinds of organisations. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, one of the things that I really want people who are listening to these podcasts to understand is that for all of us, it's never plain sailing. You don't make, every, every decision you make is not right. It doesn't lead you always onto the right path. And sometimes, you know, you have to not hear the word no and you have to take a few steps back or go to the side or, or whatever. Um, and I was talking to Jo Malone and she was telling me that one of the things that happened in her life is she got very serious cancer. And that was a sort of um, real, you know, pinnacle in her life about what was important to her and the things that she was going to do with her life going forward touch wood and thank god you didn't have cancer but you did have a really serious yes. car crash didn't you yes. 28 bones you broke yes. yeah I mean, that must. That. Yeah, well, no, I remember when we were on the board together yeah. of Channel 4, that in the early days, it was really quite difficult yeah. for you, wasn't yeah. it? And you obviously still have the yeah. physical issues to deal with. Tell me about that time. Yeah, it's, it's hard and it's hard to talk about because, you know, it feels like it's so bound up now in who I am. It's hard to explain unless you've been through that kind of cataclysmic physical event. Uh, you know, I 
I feel as though I live slightly outside my body now. It's really hard to move and I have massive issues with pain and continence and all this stuff that people just don't want to have to deal with. It's like another job. Yeah. And uh, when it happened, I was in hospital for nearly two years and had massive you know, surgeries and all the things you need to get your body functioning again. But, and it sounds strange, you know, in a way what it reinforced to me was just the importance of the things that I hoped I thought were important before. Yeah. So I didn't suddenly have this massive thing like, yeah. oh my God, I've got to be a different kind of yeah. person that I think maybe some people feel when they have some big event. I actually thought, oh, this is what is important. You know, my friends got me through that, my amazing yeah. partner, my family. And I just thought I want to contribute, as we talked about, I want to keep yeah. trying to do good job yeah. in whatever working hard and carrying on it didn't make me think oh everything's got to shift and change yeah I mean I had brain surgery and Joe and I were sort of talking about it and I do remember understanding when people have these sort of life-changing moments I do understand why people say yeah. I'm leaving my job yes, I'm yes, traveling no, I'm getting a divorce yeah. I'm do doing what yeah. you know because you realize right at that moment how yeah. short life is yeah. but like you I realized I loved my life yeah. and I just wanted to uh, be in it yeah. for as yeah. long yeah. as physically yeah. possible yeah. and 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 do more but it does change your outlook I think because mm. when you're younger you started young like I did and we started running our business you do feel that you are you know absolutely non-stop nothing can happen to you you're on the road you're yeah. sort of um infallible you know yeah. nothing yeah. you know nothing bad can happen and um, what has that been I don't, I don't want to say good for you, but has it given you a strength to realise that actually, you know, without, you know, health isn't everything, yeah. but without health, everything is nothing. Yeah, it has. I find, again, it's hard because it does still feel so daily. So I feel as though, you know, I have to actively make the choices to just keep going. And in some ways, all you can do is try and be strong from that as opposed to be sort of depressed or desperate or whatever. But I don't begrudge people who find it really difficult in difficult circumstances because it can be really difficult. It's not like, carry on, just be strong. I think it's important to accept your yeah. vulnerabilities. I think, as you say, what it's done for me is it's made me realise that, you know, I need a different pace of life. I can't work in exactly the same way as I used yeah. to. You know, why do I have this slightly portfolio life of a 65-year-old? Yeah. Well, because of my accident. <laughs> you don't. No, but, it's, you know, but yeah. like, it's not necessarily how I would have imagined what yeah. I'd be doing when I'm 45. And yet, that's the reality of it. But I think... You can accept that and just be at peace with it and kind of pattern your life around uh, the ways that you know that you can um, be most effective, then it can be a strength. But, you know, it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. And I think that showing that vulnerability and accepting it is part of that, of the journey of just being able to go forward, I guess. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, I was thinking about, um, you know, some of the women who are, who are you know, listening to this podcast and hoping to find some sort of encouragement for to to get into what they want to get into and the career that they want and the pay rise they want and all those other things you know whether it's coming back from having children or worrying about whether to have children I was speaking to Helena Morrissey who's yeah. got nine children who's just sort of puts us all to shame yeah. uh, with her her sort of the way she glides she's through everything she's she's incredible um and I was thinking about when I was, I left school at 18, so I didn't go to university. And the reason I didn't go to university is I wanted independence. Mm -hmm. And I realised you got independence by having your own money, yeah. but I didn't know how you got money, so I presumed it could sort of started with a job. Yeah. But I worked out what I thought were my really core values. So I was really ambitious and wasn't afraid to say it. I was absolutely determined. I would have done 
anything to get on you know I mean I really 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 was focused and I had a lot of integrity so I wasn't going to sell myself short I knew what I would stand for and what I wouldn't stand for and those are the things actually that at 49 are still my sort of core values who the things that make me who I am today um what what are the things that have you think about yourself are what make you who you are what lead you to making the decisions that you make I think I think a couple of things immediately spring to mind. I think the first one is I am ambitious, but I really believe that people like to fit into something that feels bigger than them. So I really hope that uh, either by my contribution or people that work with me, you feel like you're contributing to something that is kind of purposeful. And that might be you know creating a business that makes money. It doesn't yeah. have to be. It's not. I'm just talking about doing yeah. great saviour and charitable works. But just that <laughs> big feeling of collective action and something bigger than yourself. And I know that's what I've always enjoyed. And so you know, with lastminute.com, we felt like we were changing the world. Yeah. We were just a little website, but it felt like we were on the vanguard of this exciting stuff. Yeah. I did all this work in government and set up something called the Government Digital Service, and we created yeah. gov.uk and all that stuff. And that, again, it was just a government website, but it felt like we were changing the world through this particular mechanism of our website. And I've always enjoyed and loved that feeling of what you're contributing to is creating something bigger, some bigger change in the world. So that's definitely something that motivates me, and I like the motivated way. You know, I also do really believe in the power of just working hard. Yeah. You know, it's not very fashionable to say that sometimes. Yeah. I think people think you just trip out of bed and things just happen. Yeah. You've got to be really bloody good at what you do. Yeah. And you have to do that by working hard, by reading about your subject, by talking to people, by, you know, getting involved, by not just breezing in and thinking you can do it. I personally think that it's really important just to work hard and good things come by working hard. And then with that, being kind. You know, you quite rightly mentioned about that integrity. For me, it's starts a bit with kindness yeah. and making sure that you're not you know whether that's in the process of having to fire somebody or yeah. maybe it's the process of giving bad news to somebody or just in your you know daily actions just thinking about kindness and I think if you keep well if I hold that close then I feel like I'm doing sort of the right things I tell you what's really interesting of all the women who've been on this podcast with me that's one thing we all have in common the fact that we want to want to encourage other people we want to let help rise up others and create environments where people really want to come to work and really feel appreciated and love to come to work and I think that's probably probably because we're all female yeah that's what I was going to ask you whether you think it can't be a coincidence that we're all female and we all feel like that I wonder you know there's something but I do think there's something maybe changing in just leadership in general I don't know if you'd agree with this maybe not political leadership let's put that aside but I don't know if you know uh, Jack Ma, who started Alibaba, the Chinese yes. entrepreneur. I've never met him, but I've seen him on stage. And he talks very uh, interestingly about how he believes that you'll only be successful if you tap into what he calls your male and female brain. Now, whatever you would think about the science of that, yep. he's actually talking about empathy and yep. the things we're talking about, which maybe we associate with what women are more naturally just able to do or yep. most worried about feeling vulnerable or whatever the things are. And then also your um, brain that you know is, can be hard-nosed and all that stuff and he thinks about marrying those two parts of your brain and I think that maybe we see that slightly shifting and that great leaders to me now in business feel as though they've got more empathy more kindness and it just so happens that great leaders are women so maybe that's all yes yes and I guess like you say thinking about the bigger picture yeah. of society yes. and making the difference yes. because that's what you've been doing for the last few years, isn't it? In terms of technology, trying you've been to, yeah. you're trying to make yeah. the difference. Tell me about that. Well, 
I, um, I was asked in 2015 to give the Dimbleby Lecture on BBC television. It's a kind of terrifying thing, 45 minutes of free telly. You have hard television to make. This is quite hard television to make because no one helps you. So you've got all this time. And um, I thought well, I wanted to use it at a point to kind of clarify everything I felt that I'd learned about the internet. You know, I'm still hugely optimistic that we can use technology for much bigger gains for the most vulnerable people particularly, but I don't think we're doing that. I think we're not necessarily deploying it on the right problems. I think that's partly to do with the fact that government don't use technology very well, that, you know, everybody who is trying to solve knotty, difficult problems like the climate crisis or refugee crisis, they don't often have the tools of the modern age to do that. So we've been trying to build a movement for responsible technology. It's called Dot Everyone. Uh, I've got a small charity doing it, but we're trying to fit into a bigger network of organisations that are all trying to build this. And it's hard, but I think if you just keep beating the drum to say, you know, tech doesn't have to be just about, you know, pizza delivery on the one hand or yep. screwing workers in factories on the other hand, it yep. can still be a force for good and we can use it responsibly, then I'm kind of hopeful that we can do more better things in the next coming decade. And that's your major project that you're working yeah. on at the moment. I know you have your boards and everything else. Yeah, no, I feel as though this the moment really is now, particularly for someone like me who has the kind of understanding of where the tech sector's come from. It's sort of feels like it's a responsibility itself to be responsible and to talk about yes. this and to make sure that you know, the people that have influence in that sector are the ones that are talking about the things that are important. So um, just sort of finally, really, imagine there's a young woman who's listening, who's got a great idea, who doesn't have to convince people that the internet is now here to stay. And isn't going to have a baby immediately. Um, and she, uh, you know, she really wants to get her business off, off the ground. With all the things you know, the sort of 20 years tomorrow that you've been in this world, what advice would you give her? I think, firstly, you know, don't be shy of technology. You know, I can't code. I used to keep a book of Java, which is a programming language, on my desk to frighten the tech team. And they were thinking, well, does she code or doesn't she code? But I can't code. I could just ask lots of questions and I wasn't scared to probe. So if you're not the technical expert, just make sure that people don't, kind of diminish you or make you feel less able to do your business because you're not that deep technical person. Understand it, find a good person to work with. If you're going to do an internet business, it is kind of important to understand and be curious about technology. So don't be shy of it, but don't feel like you have to be the person doing it. That's the first But thing. know something about yeah, it. Yeah, know something yeah. about it. But I think yeah. often women are put off because they think, well, I'm not the technical person. Yeah. But you don't have to be. Yeah. Loads, as you said about football, there's loads of roles in technology. Yeah. There's loads of you know, CEOs do a whole bunch of things, just need to have to recruit talent around them so that's the first thing and then the second thing is it is hard to raise money as a woman in the world that I know and understand a bit if you look at the numbers it's just depressing so few women VCs in technology very few funding streams go to women so you have to persevere it's possible but you might have to do it in slightly unconventional routes it might mean you have to amass a board of experts to give yeah. a bit more credibility it might mean you have to do crowdfunding it might mean you have to look at different solutions get corporate funding I don't know but I think not being put off if it's hard to raise money is really important because again I meet so many women who say to me I've been to so many venture cameras they've all been so lame asking terrible questions one woman you'll love this who said to me I did this amazing presentation and the only comment I got at the end was what a nice voice oh, great anyway so don't be put <laughs> thank off. you so much yeah. <laughs> what do don't you say to that oh, I, I, I do remember being in a very 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 big important meeting <clears throat> And uh, for a very, very massive deal. And the guy said to me, oh, I like your shoes. And I just completely ignored it and carried on. And then a few minutes later, he went, oh, 
you've got a matching belt. And I thought, I can't, I cannot believe that this is the only <laughs> thing. Buy them, buy them on. I, I can't tell you what I said because we, <laughs> we're in the House of Lords and that would be completely disrespectful. Sorry, I interrupted no, you. I mean, yeah, so know your technical stuff, don't be scared of it. Look for money from unconventional places because it is hard in our sector. And I think the final thing is just get going. The amazing thing about technology now that is so different to when we were starting usminute.com is you can build a website very cheaply. You don't have to have like an all singing, all dancing, whatever. And that will get you um, respect, credibility and all of the things that um, you might be striving for. So just start and do something, whether it's using Facebook to create a group about your product, whether it's using Instagram, whatever it might be. It's very easy and cheap to start on the internet now and it's always more impressive if people have got going. Well, I hope someone is listening and I hope they're inspired to be the next Baroness Lane Fox. Well, let's hope so. And I think the work that you're doing in technology and the drive that you're trying to have to get more women into tech, I think is just fabulous. Um, I've known you a long time. You never, ever cease to stop impressing me. Thank you. And I love spending time with you. Thank you. Nice to see you, Martha. Thank you. And you. Thank you.